This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 54 of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network, and we do have a very good show for you today. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by my wonderful compatriot, Nicholas J. Horwat. How are you, Mr. Horwat? The quarantine is making me tired, but that's about it. Other than that, I've been trying to work on a puzzle and a yeah, trying to puzzle, write right? still. Yeah, it's a penguins puzzle. It was the giveaway from last year or something like that. I don't remember. They gave it's just away been a puzzle in my desk. Yeah, it's just been sitting in my desk for a little while. Finally decided, hey, we got nothing better to do for the next month. It's very true. <laughs> yeah, but we are in week five, as you mentioned already, of the hockey hiatus due to the coronavirus, and we have a pretty good show, as we already mentioned. We have the Penguins or the March of the Penguins Madness. Excuse me. We're down to the Elite Eight. The last time that we came to you we had 40 contestants and we're down to just eight now so that's a it was a moving week yeah we had to get a lot of them in just so this kind of hurries a little we didn't want to have a 13 week tournament so we're just gonna cut it down to five nice and easy nice and simple and then after we talk about the elite eight for the march of the penguins madness we do have the pittsburgh penguins team awards for the 2019-20 season. We know that it might come back, but we're going to do the team awards for the season as it happened so far. So yeah. pretty excited for that as well. And before we get started, though, the NHL was hit with some somber news over the weekend. On Saturday, Oilers forward Colby Cave passed away on Saturday morning after suffering a brain bleed earlier in the week. He was just 25 years old. So our condolences go out to his family his friends, and the entire Edmonton Oilers organization. Not much else to say. It's just it's something that is absolutely horrible, and especially in the current time and his family probably not getting to go see him in the hospital. Our, our just heartfelt condolences go out to everybody in the Cave family. Never anything you want to hear, especially something like that for someone so young at you know only 25 and maybe a long career ahead of him. Who knows? But from what we know, he's you know, well-liked on the team and... We're not worried about details on how it all came to be, but it's just a sad situation on the whole thing. Yeah. Rest easy, Colby. This episode is for you. And with that, let us begin with the Elite Eight of the March of the Penguins Madness Tournament. We are ever closer to crowning our March of the Penguins Madness Tournament champion with the Elite Eight happening this week. Not going to be like last week with these bunch of rounds of voting. Just one round, and Mm -hmm. it is the Elite Eight. Just like any March Madness-style tournament, we've had some huge upsets, some Cinderella stories. Even Penguin Pete made it to the Sweet 16 as a 15 seed. Good job, Penguin Pete. But we're now down to the nitty-gritty. It is truly a bunch of heavyweights left in the Elite Eight. All the top fours. It is kind of surprising. We had a couple one seeds go down. We had a couple two or one two seed go down, I guess. One two seed, but hey. But let us begin with the Voices and Characters region. Three seed Mike Lang versus four seed Dan Potash. Each of these guys took down a Penguins mascot (laughs) during the Sweet 16. That would be Iceberg, the one seed going down to Potash, and Mike Lang taking care of the 15-seeded Penguin Pete. 
before I let you go on Potash, I'm going to start on Mike Lang. Of course, last week, if you listened to the show, you know how much Mike Lang means to me, and you know how much I think he deserves to be the winner of at least, at the very least, the Voices and Characters region of this tournament. He is a legend in the broadcast business. The reason that I got into the broadcast business, and the reason that many people, including Steve Mears, who is the current Pittsburgh Penguins play-by-play announcer, the reason that he got into it, of course, all his sayings are... The most wonderfully ridiculous, I think, is what I called them last yep. week. The most wonderfully ridiculous sayings. And if you don't know what they are, first of all, how are you a Penguins fan? <laughs> Second of all, go look them up. They're everywhere. And he is just a great guy. Of course, the 700 level, as I mentioned last week, is now the Mike Lang media level. He is a true legend of the game. And he's taking on somebody who is a legend in his own right, Horwat. Do you really think Dan Potash will be able to take down Mike Lang? Absolutely. Dan Potash is a local legend. Granted, everyone here is going to be a local legend, but, you know, Mike Lang definitely has his national, like, rec- he's na- recognized nationally uh, throughout the hockey, throughout the National Hockey League and throughout uh, the country and Canada. But Dan Potash is one of those local legends that doesn't deserve to lose in any way, shape, or form. He's a guy that you can expect to be at every Penguin game doing everything he can to bring the best content, obviously. But also, whenever it's a theme night, it's it's all out for Dan. It is. The the theme nights turn into the Dan Potash show, almost. Because, if especially if you're watching those games from home, you're wondering, all right, who's he dressing up as now? It's 80s night? All right. You start thinking of all the big 80s, you know, rock stars or celebrities at the time. What's he going to pull out of the bag? So... And if it's not that, it's an ugly it's an ugly sweater with big old Jake Gensel's face on it. <laughs> That's the biggest redeeming quality we got from you know the Christmas one. Seeing that picture come back quite often is fun. And Dan Potash is you know the living legend of Penguins media right now. He is. Thanks, Dan. Exactly. But if you had to pick one of your favorite Dan Potash outfits, which one is the first one that snaps to mind? Well, like I said, it's the ugly sweater right now because it's the only one I can think of at the moment. I think his macho man, Randy Savage, was also pretty good. The the macho man was a pretty good one. I per- personally really liked the lengths that he went on Star Wars night to look like yeah. Darth Maul. The makeup and everything, it was it was really good. And not only that, but the, the face that Mike Sullivan, who we're going to talk about in a second. Oh, yeah. The face on Mike Sullivan when he sat down to do the Dan and Mike show at the beginning of the game was absolutely amazing, and I loved watching it. One thing that is uncharacteristically and basically an understory in this matchup is both Mike Lang and Dan Potash are California boys. Yeah. Mike Lang, of course, from Sacramento, and Dan Potash from sunny San Diego. So it's going to be... San Diego. San Diego. Sorry, we watched Anchorman 2 yesterday. Did you watch the first one first? We couldn't find it anywhere, but I mean, we've both at least seen it, me and Megan, so mm-hmm. we okay. just were able to watch the second one. <laughs> I think the first one's a little bit better. Maybe. I mean, okay. we don't have to get into that discussion. <laughs> That's fine. But like we said, Mike Lang of Sacramento, Dan Potash of San Diego, both a integral part of Pittsburgh hockey and considered local legends in the Pittsburgh area. Absolutely. You mentioned a lot of good things with Dan Potash, but I, it's it's not enough to me. It's going to be Mike Lang to me, and that's that's going to be an interesting matchup. I think Mike Lang takes the cake. Dan Potash, I do I do commend him, had a really good run in this tournament. Taking uh-huh. down the one-seed iceberg, although I might have 
campaigned for it a little bit. He did take down Iceberg, so it was a good upset for him there. I just don't think he can pull it off. Let's move on to the personnel region and the final matchup in that region. I'll let you go first, Horwat. Two seed Craig Patrick versus the four seed Mike Sullivan. Craig Patrick, you know, the GM for the team back starting in the late 80s to you know, be the GM during the first two Stanley Cups to after that running the team through some dark times, through some very hard, hard money times and sticking around long enough to see it all get rebuilt to the point that we're able to draft Sidney Crosby, draft Evgeny Malkin, and really make a name for ourselves again post, you know, Lemieux, post guys like that. Mm. And, you know, he was at the forefront for it all. He was the head behind all of it, you know, along with Lemieux becoming the owner. And it was all great moves under Craig Patrick. And, you know, even before Penguin time, you know, he was the assistant coach for the 1980 U.S. Olympic team, the last U.S. Olympic team to win gold in the Olympics, and you can't take that from him either. It's these He's done things that have not only helped this team, but helped the entire country in the sport of hockey, and it's stuff that it'll never be forgotten or taken away from him. Yeah, he's not only a Penguins legend, but he's, he's just a hockey legend overall, and you couldn't have said it better yourself. And basically... <laughs> Don't forget about that four-leaf clover, the reason that we have Sidney Crosby on the Pittsburgh Penguins. The four-leaf oh, clover that he had during the draft, what was it, the lottery, and then the draft. He just took it with him to the draft as well. Yep. So he is a massive figure in Pittsburgh sports history, and I understand why you're putting your trust in him, but I, I'm going to go with Mike Sullivan, who he's taken on. It's the number four seed, making it to the Elite Eight. Sully, of course, in his fifth season, as Pittsburgh Penguins coach, the first two seasons as the head coach, he wins back-to-back -back Stanley Cups, something not accomplished since the 1990s and those amazing Detroit Red Wings teams. But Mike <laughs> Sullivan himself, over 200 victories as a Penguins head coach. He is one of, if not the best coach of the Sidney Crosby era and possibly even of the 21st century. I think by the time all is said and done, Mike Sullivan will be the best coach in Pittsburgh Penguins history. That's a little bit ambitious i guess to say because of how many good coaches we've had especially legendary names like bob johnson scotty mm -hmm. bowman who were both knocked out earlier in this tournament but mike sullivan to me sully he's gonna be here for a long time and i think he's gonna he's gonna take down craig patrick and i think he is the new school but he is the godfather of hockey in pittsburgh right now it's one way of putting it you also gotta remember you know craig patrick's you know, in his time, was the one making the moves. He's the reason why we had Ron Francis. He wasn't behind the Paul Coffey trade, but he was a big proponent. A big proponent in whenever we sent Coffey out to bring in Rick Tockett. Was that the exact trade, or am I getting that wrong? No, again? it was. Uh, it was Mark Recchi for Rick Tockett. Right. Right. It's Recchi for Tockett. Who you know, st st same thing. It's Craig Patrick was the man behind a lot of those. Uh, much like you know we talk about Shiro and Rutherford for their trades these days you know Craig Patrick really set the standard in the early days of the Penguins not the early days but like the middle ages of the Penguins to really show that this is what this team can be building it from the outside is not a bad idea drafting is also great you know we know Craig Patrick was a hell of a draft head I guess I don't know how to put it he was great at making draft picks you know he's picked Yager people forget he picked Marcus Nazalent we may not have you know held on to him for very long but <laughs> We were able to say we drafted him. We're the reason why he got his start in the league. And, you know, we mentioned Crosby. That was a no-brainer. But nonetheless, he's the reason why he's here. Yeah. He's also the 
mind behind. I believe he drafted Malkin and Flurry as well. So mm-hmm. you can't take anything yeah. away from his drafting ability. It's going to be tough for Mike Sullivan. I think he pulls it off. Mm-hmm. You think Craig Patrick pulls it off. Needless to say, it's going to be a close matchup. We have two matchups left to talk about. And unlike what we did with the first two, which each of us believe the, that a different person's going to win, it's pretty obvious in these last two matchups who's probably going to take the cake unless mm-hmm. Hockey Troll can get an army of Caps fans to make a ridiculous upset happen that really intelligent minds will not vote the opposite way of what is probably going to happen. Let's start with the new generation. We'll talk a little bit about the matchup. The new generation finals matchup in the Elite Eight is number one seed Sidney Crosby versus number two seed Evgeny Malkin. Not really a surprise here in the voting. What did you, what do you think is going to go on in this matchup? And realistically, Sidney Crosby is the captain. He's been the face of this franchise, but also people can't forget how important Evgeny Malkin has been to this team for the last 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. I think with this kind of thing, it's as a fan, you almost always have your favorite out of these two. It's one or the other because you were, you know, we're blessed to cheer for a team that has two superstars that are here to change the league. You almost always have the argument of who do you like more, Crosby or Malkin? It's almost always if you had to trade one, who's it going to be? You know, who would you rather have in your Game 7 situation? Who would you rather have this? It's always one or the other almost. It's very rare you discuss them in the same sort of thing and in benefiting, I guess. it's. I mean, obviously they're both on the same team benefiting to win. But there's almost always a discussion of, well, if you had to have one, who would it be? I can remember my mom a long time ago asked me, like, like this may have been before we won the Cup in 09. It was just a random question. Just, hey, if you had to pick one, <laughs> you know, who would it be? And it's it's a hard question to answer. But, I mean, that's usually what goes on between these two whenever you have to pick one. So I feel like it's going to be a close matchup, you know, either way, because everyone has their beliefs in one or the other. And it's really difficult to pick between them because the city of Pittsburgh loves both of them, and they've done so much together for the city of Pittsburgh. An interesting thing, I think most people will pick Sidney Crosby just because he is the captain. He is the transcending generational player. But at the same time, think about the fact that if Sidney Crosby wasn't on the Penguins, which is an absolutely awful thought to have, and I'd love to not have it again, but if he wasn't on the Penguins for all this time, would Evgeny Malkin be the Evgeny Malkin that we get whenever Crosby's injured 24-7? I believe so. I think Malkin would have been that kind of player. It's hard to say because you know, Malkin also you know had his deal of injuries over his career. That's an interesting question because you have to figure you know, how many points did each other account for it's Mm -hmm. they don't play on the same line often but it's still something to take into consideration is as to if Malkin would be the leader that we know of whenever Crosby's hurt um who knows because in that situation maybe you obviously you're probably gonna make Malkin the captain maybe we see the way he gets hot-headed on the ice maybe (laughs) you don't want that but maybe you figure and this is just you know me galaxy braining this and thinking Maybe Crosby kind of plays as Malkin's, you know, calmer, quieter, the one who will tell Malkin, hey, you need to calm down, bring it, take it back a step. Without Crosby, maybe Malkin flies off the rails and, <laughs> you know, it, and there is no coming back. Who knows? Maybe it's like an like a, it's like an Alexander Laflemme situation from Goon <laughs> where he gets to that level and he's not coming back because he doesn't have the Doug Glatt to pull him in. <laughs> Can I just point out the fact that you just 
coincided Sidney Crosby with Doug Glatt, and I loved every second of it. Exactly. <laughs> but that, fortunately, is not the case for us. We have had the amazing opportunity of watching these two players have their careers side-by-side side on the same team, playing for the same team, playing for the same goal, and, of course, winning three Stanley Cups as of right now. Mm-hmm. Could get winning in the more. process. Exactly, yeah. winning in the process. So that is going to be a pretty good matchup, and it's pretty – I don't want to say it's obvious, but it's going to be pretty hard for Malkin to get more votes than Sidney Crosby, right? I think it'll be close. I really do. All right. One that is not going to be close and is our last matchup to talk about today. It is the finals of the old-timers region in the Elite Eight. Number one seed, Mario Lemieux versus the number two seed, Yarmir Yager. So, I'm sorry, but Yags doesn't have a chance in this one. I, I, (laughs) I... and. As much as I hate to say that, because Yarmir Yager is one of the all-time great NHL players of all time, top 10, arguably top 5, but especially in Pittsburgh, what Mario means to the city of Pittsburgh, what Mario means to hockey in Pittsburgh, it's not going to be a close call here. That's what you would think. I mean, again, it's one of those things you never know. You almost always talk about one or the other, but mm-hmm. the things Mario did off the ice for this team really stand out. You know, it's it wasn't just being the great player and getting wins in Stanley Cups. It was being a community leader, later on buying the team, later on saving the team, doing everything he could to keep the team here where he wants it to be. He is a I forget how it, what the exact wording is, but he's from Montreal. Yeah, but he's, you know, a Pittsburgh man now. He's a Pittsburgh implant. Yeah, he's a Pittsburgh implant and he will be forever. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to go anywhere himself. He doesn't want the team to go anywhere and that was his stance from the beginning. Yager was definitely we definitely know Yager more as just as the player than we do for you know off ice stuff. Hey, he's an owner too. But yeah, that's not (laughs) but not part of the Penguins and you know, maybe you know, maybe he did some not so very nice things, you know, to the Penguins, but at the same time in that whole situation, it's a business. Mm -hmm. The first time he left he had to leave. We had no other choice but to sell him off. Um, and whenever we had the opportunity to get him back, I mean, if another team's going to offer you more money, you know, or a better opportunity or whatever it may be, you have to go for that. That's, there's nothing, there, I have nothing uh, against that. I mean, yeah, I tend to agree with that. But at the same time, you're Yarmir Yager. Have you not made enough money in your career? And it's not like we were going to give you scraps. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, this, this is from whenever he signed with the Flyers, which was probably near 10 years ago now. Oh, you yeah. Think, you'd think... Yager today, if a team was to come to him and say, hey, we're going to give you maybe less money, but you're going to be on our first line in the NHL, he's going to take it. So you got to figure 10 years ago, yeah, he was still in his 40s, but like <laughs> he was still able to perform. you know, And he knew he was a top one, two line player, top power play unit player, and he felt he was just getting what he deserved. It makes sense, and, and you can't really hate on him too much. I know some people in the Penguins fan base still hate on him, but... The guy saved the franchise. He might have left the franchise. He might have done some less than stellar things to get out of Pittsburgh. But at the same time, he's still one of the pillars of your franchise. He's still a top four player in your franchise. And he still saved it. If he didn't, wouldn't have saved it, there wouldn't have been a franchise for him to leave. Exactly. Much respect to Yarmir Yager. But again, as we've mentioned, both of us before, it's Mario Lemieux, guys. He could probably win in an old-timers in Pittsburgh sports, other than unless a bunch of Steelers fans pick Mean Joe Green. But I don't 
think <laughs> Mean Joe Green means as much to the city of Pittsburgh as Mario Lemieux. And again, a sentence that comes out of my mouth that I hear it and I'm kind of confused that I said it. But Mario Lemieux means so much more to the city of Pittsburgh than any other sports figure, I think, in the history of Pittsburgh sports. Absolutely. So, I mean, there's no other way around it. He saved an entire franchise from leaving, meant the most to a team, he's meant the most to a city in a football town of all places, too. He's the reason this isn't a football town anymore. I mean, apart from Jack McGregor bringing the team in and vying for the team to come to Pittsburgh, Mario Lemieux was really the start of hockey popularity in the city of Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and he's the reason that it is where it is today. And yes, there's Sidney Crosby and Malkin who've taken over the mantle, Yarmir Yager for a time being, but... Mario is the one constant since 1984 when he was drafted has been the one constant for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Right. And there's no other way around it. I mean, the way I see it, the way a lot of people still see it is Pittsburgh is definitely still a football town, but we know that, you know, hockey is probably the number two. (laughs) And then there's baseball. Yeah. And then there's pit (laughs) basketball when they're decent. And then there's baseball. (laughs) You know, it's Lemieux really put the Penguins on the map and made this more than just a, made this more than just a football town because whenever he came in you know things weren't looking good for the Steelers things were not looking good for the Pirates and it was his time and he took over and really took the whole city and all of the sports under his wing as we always have we're going to post these polls on our Twitter page at Iceberg Podcast and like we did earlier last week I think I'm also going to post it on our Instagram page as well which is the same thing at Iceberg Podcast so Feel free to vote. It's going to be a little bit of a longer voting period, so you'll have more time to get your votes in because it is a very important round, the Elite Eight of the March of the Penguins Madness Tournament. And next week, tune in to episode 55 as we will discuss the final four. A lot more difficult decisions to come for fans and the voters. So we're going to take a quick break right now. But when we return, we're going to discuss the team awards for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We will be right back. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg, episode 54, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And before we continue, I just wanted to send a big thank you out to the Hockey Podcast Network as as we are, I believe, at some point going to end our first season here. And it all depends on when hockey comes back. But I just wanted to send a big thank you out to Ed, Isha, and Dylan for having both me and you, Horwat, on. It's been a really fun year, and I'm looking forward to see where it's going to take us. 
And I don't know if you have any other words on that. Thanks for the opportunity. It's been a hell of a lot of fun. And hopefully this isn't the end of the ride, really. Oh, no, I think we're far from done. Yeah. But let's get into the Pittsburgh Penguins team awards. It's something that Horwat, me and you have been doing back since season one of 3PT in the dinky little WPPJ radio station with a live studio audience at the time. The good old days. We probably should have gotten a clap sign for that, shouldn't we? Uh, we would have thought there'd be a bit more of an educated audience, but uh, we guessed <laughs> oh, wrong. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure. Some of them probably were just weren't paying attention. <laughs> As it is. But let's get this season's 2019-2020 team awards underway. Of course, everything that we discuss, we'd love to hear your opinion. So after we post the notification for the episode, go ahead and comment underneath with your team award winners. We'll also probably just post a, a separate tweet with all of the, what I guess would say the awards. Not even vote on, just tell us who you think should win. Let's get it started off with the best team rookie and this is a little different not just a rookie but first year penguins Horwat, who do you think deserves the award for best rookie uh it is it gonna be anyone other than john marina hmm. like could it be anyone other than john marina who without injury and maybe not this you know season ending epidemic that maybe in in talks for a spot as a calder i'm not saying he would have won it He's definitely top 10. Definitely would have been in, I would say, top five even. Hell, mm. But that's just my thoughts on it. I mean, I wrote a whole damn story on it. If you want to go <laughs> read it, go for it. But he was the breakout rookie that no one really saw coming. We just figured, oh, we just traded this sixth round pick for him from Edmonton, of all places. Yeah. You know, nothing much is going to come out of that. But he ended up being able to handle any spot we put him in the lineup, made the team out of training camp, and... You know, he's performed phenomenally wherever he has been to the point of 26 points and a um, couple of great moments. I mean, his first game back, he scored a pretty big goal that his first game back from his injury scored a pretty big goal that we wouldn't expect from him like 10 seconds into the game. And then his first career goal against his hometown team in Boston and little moments that already in his early career that are pretty, are, uh, pretty uh, remarkable and memorable. Yeah, that Boston goal is probably, to me, one of the best moments. That's something else we could have done, but unfortunately we didn't think about it until, or at least I didn't think about it until just now. That's probably one of the best moments of the season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I do agree that watching John Marino play this season has been a treat, and mm -hmm. I do have him as a nominee for one of the lower ones, so we'll see if I talk about him a little bit more later. But I, I do like your pick of John Marino, but unfortunately for those who like John Marino, to me, the best team rookie as a first-year Penguin, that's what changed it up for me, is going to be Brandon Tanev. And I just love the way he's ah. played since the first time he came in. We mentioned it, I think, last week, that he was a second-liner at the beginning of the season, which, okay, maybe a little high in the lineup for him, but I think he can fit in really anywhere for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he's proven that. He's played some time with Crosby, he's played some time with Malkin, and he really fit in on that Bluger, Aston, Reese, and Tanev line, of course. Scoring 25 points in the season is not world-beating, but we all recognize that scoring is not the reason that he was brought in by Jim Rutherford. And to me, the biggest thing is he came in and he proved to me pretty much right away that he was worth the six-year deal, which is very hard to do. And it was kind of the antithesis of what Jack Johnson did last year, where he came in and immediately I said, oh, no. Six more years of this goof on the back end. But thankfully, Brandon Tanev was the 
exact opposite. He's hilarious on Instagram. For some reason during this entire thing, he's posting a gif of Cosmo Kramer on his story every single day. So if you follow him on Instagram and you know the reason why, please let me know. I'm very confused. But (laughs) to me, he is the rookie of the year for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And of course, we all mean the first year Penguin, not just rookies. And somebody else that didn't get the award, but I also thought he deserves a little bit of recognition is Sam Lafferty. He he had a pretty good season for a rookie, somebody who came up as a call-up and then found his spot in the lineup on a consistent basis. So good on Lafferty, but my award goes to Brandon Tanev. Yeah, Tanev's a good choice for that. I wasn't thinking first-year Penguin. I mean, I don't know why I wasn't, but uh, I used Tanev later in this little thing, so we'll be hearing more from more about him anyway. Gotta love it. He's one of my favorite Penguins right now. But moving on to the next award, the Breakout Player of the Year Award. Horwat, I'll let you start off this one, too. Man, this is another one that I thought was a little more low-hanging fruit because I chose Tristan Jari because, I mean, yeah. <laughs> We tried to trade him before the season started, and no one was taking him. <laughs> and now look at him. He's the all-star starting goalie for us for a little while. Things may have been a little roller coasterish toward the end of this weird season, but nonetheless, he was the breakout player in my in my eyes with, like I said, becoming the all-star, basically stealing the job from Matt Murray and getting himself paid <laughs> in the process. <laughs> Well, we don't know about that yet. It's going to be real interesting this offseason. It will be. This will be a very interesting offseason anyway, but I feel like he's definitely earned a bit of a raise than what he was probably going to get. And like I said, we were trying to trade him at the beginning of the season. Like I had said multiple times, there I can think of a couple of teams who could use a backup or any kind of goalie, but you know, I'm not going to throw more teams under the bus. I'm just going to say you guys clearly missed out, and now you feel dumb. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure a lot of the teams were kicking themselves whenever midway through the season. They were like, well, we had a goalie issue. We still have a goalie issue. And then there was a guy that they offered to us, and we just scoffed at it. We had two guys that we were dangling out there, including Casey DeSmith, and people yeah. just didn't take the bait. So, oh, well, their loss is our gain. And I do like Tristan Jari. I think he's a really good pick for this. Of course, first full season with the NHL club. And like you mentioned, took over for Matt Murray. Mm-hmm. Took over. Thankfully, he was here, and I'll get into that a little bit later. But my breakout player of the year goes to the one and only, the top six winger, Brian Rust, who set new career highs in goals at 27 and points at 56 in just 55 games. So think about the fact that he's scoring at over a point-per-game pace. And yes, say what you want, he plays with Evgeny Malkin, and it's going to help him. He still has one of the best shots, if not the best shot, on the Pittsburgh Penguins. That might be going a little too far, but he does have one of the best shots on the Pittsburgh Penguins. He is now a bona fide top-six forward, and he rounds out what's going to be a very dangerous top-six come either the restart of this season or the beginning of the 2021 season. So to me, Brian Rust breakout star of the year easily yeah i mean i'm not gonna disagree i mean wonder if we get to the next one i'll have some words on rust because uh, if we're just gonna fly right into it the next topic is the unsung hero who i said was brian rust for all the reasons you just said <laughs> i mean sorry i didn't mean to steal your thunder there you're good it just made you know my answer for the next one a little bit shorter <laughs> <laughs> you know it was just an unforgettable season for him being able to step up and really take the cake on this team and once Gensel went down we knew someone had to step up and it ended up being Rust who was already having a fairly decent season before then mm-hmm. um, you know but Brian Rust was able to continue and at one point until Malkin potted one himself 
um, was in the was in the biggest tie I've ever seen for game winning goals. So many people on this team had four, <laughs> and uh, Brian Russ was one of them. And it's amazing, and that really speaks to the team's overall just balance. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like there was four game winning goals for Rust, Crosby, Gensel, McCann, and Tanev. Crosby, who by the way only played forty one games and had four game winning goals. <laughs> Game-winning goals per game. There's Sidney Crosby. I mean, he had 16 goals this season, and four of them were game winners. So there's that's crazy. That's a quarter, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, scores when it matters. On top of his 31 assists as well. But back to Brian Russ, like we said, 27 goals, 29 points for all career highs for 56 points, a plus 14, and four game winning goals his numbers speak for himself i'd say he's the breakout especially on top of his very roller coaster season he had last year oh yeah especially not scoring till what was it almost the first of the of january something in 2019 so something like that it was a good season so far for brian rust i would have loved to see how high he could have gotten if the season would have ended but there's so many of those storylines going around the nhl brian rust was closing on his first 30 goal season his first 60 point season hopefully if there's a chance and we do restart the regular season at some point or other, hopefully he can get those numbers up to the 60 and 30 that he he rightfully deserves with this season. But my unsung hero is somebody who at the end of last season, I was a little skeptical about and it's Patrick Hornquist. Okay. If you remember, I was calling for them to try and attempt by any means necessary to get Patrick Hornfist <laughs> out of Pittsburgh because of his cap number and because of the season that he played last year. Now, he did miss time again this year, and he did face another injury this year. But to me, it was when he was playing, and he did play 52 of the 69 games for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But when he did play, he played like the Patrick Hornfist of 2016. He played like the Patrick Hornfist of 2017. The Patrick Hornfist that we love and the reason that we give him the assistant captain whenever one of our big three gets injured. He is a very outspoken leader on this team. He is a player that this team sorely needs. It is sort of him and Brandon Tanev for the biggest thorns in the opponent's side. And I think especially because of how down I was on him at the beginning of the season. I'm going to give Patrick Hornfist my unsung hero award. He's had a really good season. Like I said, a shortened season, still putting up 17 goals and 32 points, which is pretty good numbers for somebody who does the bulk majority of majority of his work right in front of the net. Not really a big assist guy. So I think we all agree that Patrick Hornfist's biggest contributions come to this team away from the puck. And to me, it's done enough for him to get the unsung hero award. Not going to disagree with that. He is always what I will always say the quietest goal scorer on this team. He regularly, you know, gets over 15, 20, 25 goals a season. Mm-hmm. And always has. He did it in Nashville for a little bit too and before he came here. He's he's nothing if not consistent minus last season. Yeah. <laughs> we have one minus- more before we're going to cut to a quick break. Oh, what sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to say also minus this season cuz I just pulled his numbers up and he's got 17 goals this year, but I mean for 52 games, that's not bad. 32 he had 13 to go. He could have got a 20 yeah. goal season. Absolutely. 30 to go to get to 20, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right before we cut to another quick break really quickly, we have one more award. It is the one submitted, and I, I don't even think you know this. This question was submitted, and this award was submitted by our old friend Jordan Slobodinsky. Good. 
Good to he hear ac- from him. <laughs> <laughs> he actually asked if we could do a tournament of best hair for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and while I, I was not ready to commit to that, I will say we could do an, an award for Pittsburgh Penguins yeah. best hair. So, Horwat, what is your award winner for Pittsburgh Penguins best hair? Uh, I have two choices. Um, one of them is because I think it's hysterical to say it, um, and that is Chad Ruweel. Oh. <laughs> hey, man, it's definitely the-, the cleanest. Absolutely. I mean, whenever the Penguins did their round of voting, and this was one of the questions, they he was up there. He almost won. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of Penguins have a sense of humor. <laughs> exactly, and I'm sure he does too. I'm sure he even voted for himself because that's <laughs> something he would do. Uh, but my choice, honestly, though, is I, this one's kind of a hard one because – not too many people on this team have standout hair, I would say. Yeah. But um, Teddy Bluger be my correct answer because, hmm. I mean, whenever I the, I only have one reason for this, and it's because whenever he was on, whenever the dad trips, the dad's trip was happening, they talked to Bluger's dad. I forget how the question or whatever came up, but you know, Bluger's dad said, "Yeah, he loves his hair. He's got a haircut coming up on," and he gave the exact date. And I was like, "Oh, well, that's important. I hope we all know." what Bluger's doing that day. He'll be getting his crispy lineup. It's very important to him that he has it on the specific day. He has to make sure it's all set. It's almost as important as game days, as haircut days for him. Exactly. So that was my choice. And I also think whenever the Penguins did their round of um, polls, I think he won that one. He was up there. I don't remember mm-hmm. exactly how high, but he was definitely up there. But my choice is the reigning, defending, undisputed haircut champion Christopher Letang and he has been the undisputed haircut champion since Carl Hagelin unfortunately departed the team and headed for Washington via Los Angeles but to me Chris Letang everything about him if it's going to be an appearance based award I'm just going to go ahead and give it to Chris Letang anyway that's fair not only because he has and has had some of the best hair for the Pittsburgh Penguins since he was drafted at the age of 18. But his son has a better hair, head of hair than me, so I don't have anything other else to say other than the Latang family is much better at hair than anybody I've ever seen before. That sounds, I mean, that's accurate. I mean, I can't disagree. It's, diff, it's not his long hair anymore, so I couldn't fully get behind it. But, mm. hey, man, right. he's still got something going for him. Now, if you follow us on our Twitter page at Iceberg Podcast, you saw that not only me, but you as well, Horwat. More recently, you mm-hmm. got your cool hockey mystery box, and who did you receive? Detroit Red Wings alternate captain Dylan Larkin, who you know actually was a pretty interesting one. I thought it was going in. I you know really wasn't worried too much about who it was going to be, but it's really cool opening the box and all of a sudden just like seeing a color, mm-hmm. and you're just immediately before you even pick it up, you're like, okay, it could be this, could be that, could be this. The dead giveaway, although for me was. The A was on the opposite side. <laughs> yeah. Because the Red Wings were right on the other side, and immediately I was like, okay, it's one of three people. And I couldn't think of two of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I was correct. It was Dylan Larkin anyway, and it was a, it's a cool jersey. It's a really cool thing they do that it's just, hey, here's a random, hopefully a superstar. I was really curious as to how you got an all-star jersey, though. Yeah, I wasn't sure. That that was in the pot, but I'm happy with it. If you didn't see, I got an all-star Austin Matthews, which was fun. But my question to you, Horwat, before we move on to the next thing, is when you saw the red, how afraid were you that it was a Washington Capitals jersey? Like I said, I mean, immediately, when you see 
a Red Wings jersey. I don't know what it is. I could be wrong about it, but I feel like the Red Wings red is a little brighter. It is. It's almost like an orangish red. Yeah. So like I could tell right away that it wasn't because there was no blue, no visible blue anywhere or anything else. And plus, again, the dead giveaway, the A on the opposite side. Like, yeah. Really, it's like the second I saw the case, it was a Red Wing of sort. <laughs> Thank yeah, God it you... wasn't a Jimmy Howard, but he, he wouldn't have <laughs> had an A, but still. Like... Yeah. Either way, it's good that you didn't get him. We both got pretty decent jerseys on that. And yeah. it's always nice, and I'd love to. And it's always probably nice to get an original six jersey. Yeah, that's one thing that was really cool about it. It was an original six player. Before we continue, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit more about cool hockey. Do you wish you had a better collection of jerseys? If so, we have a great deal for you courtesy of cool hockey and the Hockey Podcast Network. For a limited time, if you purchase a jersey on coolhockey.com slash THPN and enter the code THPN at checkout, not only will you get 30% off your jersey order, but you will also be entered for a chance to win 31 free NHL jerseys. That's both Red Wings, that's Maple Leafs, Penguins, and all the other teams combined. Again, that's coolhockey.com slash THPN using the promo code THPN for 30% off and a chance at 31 free jerseys. Don't miss out on this opportunity to severely improve your jersey game. Let us now continue with the Pittsburgh Penguins Awards. We have a couple more here before we get going. Let's start with the team Selkie Award winner, of course. If you don't know what the Selkie is, it is the best defensive forward on the team. If you would mind, Horwood, I'd like to start off with this one. Go ahead. All righty. Mine is going to go to Zach Aston Reese. Basically, anybody from this line mm-hmm. is, is, is a candidate because the Aston Reese Bluger and Tanev line was amazing this year in both ends of the ice, producing offensively, which they were not expected to do, and also producing really good defensive and possession metrics. And Zach Aston-Reese, if you ask anybody in the possession and metric community, they will tell you that Zach Aston-Reese has had a monster season in the defensive zone. So to me, the team Selkie goes to Czar. Hopefully he's doing really well as he was recovering from an injury whenever the season was put on hold. So he's probably doing pretty pretty good right now. And now he also has our team Selkie award, at least mine. Who do you have, Horwath? All right, shows his line mate, Brandon Tanev. Hmm. Now, obviously, it's a little bit of a different one. It's his first year here. Um, I didn't look at metrics at all for this, so I went by eye test, <laughs> which is, you know, what I do. But he led forwards on the team with 65 block shots and also le- led the team with 244 hits. So, you know, he knew how to get in front of pucks. He knew how to get on bodies and... You know, it wasn't just the defensive side of his game, and that was part of why we brought him in. It was to be the speedy third, fourth line guy that um, is going to be able to kill penalties and get the occasional goal here and there. He ended up getting more than the occasional goal, as you know, like we mentioned before, four game winners out of his eleven. Which we talked about Crosby's average being a quarter. I mean, Tanev's four for eleven. <laughs> He's got good numbers on that, and he came up clutch when he needed to, and defensively was very stout as a forward yeah and i mentioned earlier how much i love brandon tanev this season how much i'm gonna love brandon tanev for the next five seasons so i do think he is also very deserving of this award and i'm happy you gave it to him mm-hmm. because I-, I had to give it to zach aston reese but if i wasn't going to like i said somebody else on that line that line was just fantastic this year and i hope we get to see it again next season let's keep it Absolutely. rolling here with the team norris horwat who do you have for the team norris i have a weird one for this because 
I don't know. I don't know why I chose a weird one, but I went with uh, Marcus Patterson because he didn't play with a micros didn't play under a microscope this season. Like every move Latang made got torn to shreds, whether it be from the most known Latang critic or even just they were even regular fans, you know, doubting his game beginning to end. But no one really said much about Patterson, who ended up quietly having a very good season, you know, with 22 points. But I'm also still a firm believer that the word defense, you know. <laughs> is not dead in defensemen <laughs> points aren't everything even on the blue line so that's why i kind of like focusing on giving it to a not as a full-on defensive defenseman but a guy who can play both sides of the puck on the blue line fairly well but still has his focus on his position which is you know being a defenseman mm-hmm. and that's what Pedersen does very well and like i said like i didn't look at metrics for anything but i just know from his eye test he played very well defensively with while accumulating 20 assists for this team yeah and the metrics do check out as well marcus Pedersen, very good in the possession metrics and his, his Corsi and his fenwick were both really good and to some people that's gibberish but he had a very brian dumlin-esque season and yeah. that's exactly what you just described not under a microscope just going out and doing his thing and playing defense which is very underrated right now in the NHL because everybody wants the scoring defenseman to be their number one defenseman. Realistically, like is the case with the Penguins, if they're healthy, the number one defenseman is a defensive defenseman. Yeah, absolutely. I did give an honorable mention in this for John Marino, who you mentioned earlier. Just the fact that he stepped in and earned a spot as a rookie, just coming into rookie training camp and going through the entire process and being there on opening night is already an impressive attribute for him and then he immediately became a really good standout second pairing defenseman good in the defensive zone good at moving the puck so that's why i gave him an honorable mention but my norris goes to a guy you mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. chris letang for many many reasons yes he did make a lot of mistakes yes he did play under a microscope and did get torn apart by media personalities and fan personalities alike but at the same time he always faces the toughest opponents and this is an argument that gets replayed over and over again for people that try to back Chris Letang. But here's another thing that I want to look at. The fact that he was way, well on his way to career marks and goals. He was having a really good scoring season. He faced injuries, and also, he was forced to play with Jack Johnson the bulk majority <laughs> of the season. Yeah. How can you not give the man many props for having to play with Jack Johnson as a number one partner, having Jack Johnson play 20-some minutes a game. And now I get Jack Johnson had a better season this year than last season, but that's not too big of a bar to set if you're an NHL defenseman. So props to Chris Letang. He gets my team Norris, although he'll never get an NHL Norris for some reason. I think the window on that is closed for him, unfortunately. But he does get the team Norris for me, and that's not really going to mean anything to him, but it's fine. That's something. More than nothing. You know, I agree with everything you said there. Latang was obviously one of my picks too, but I like, you know, straying from the path a little. Um, our next award also is very much straying from the path, especially this season of all seasons. Yeah, it is probably the most prestigious, and you did hear me correctly, it is the most prestigious award we can bestow upon an NHL player. This season specifically because, boy, oh boy, did everyone just decide to get hurt or miss a game for some reason or another? Yes, we do have. This is the only award that you can have two winners and the only award that we don't select. It is selected based on merit. And we did not select it. There are two honorable mentions, one being Brandon Tanev, who missed just one game due yeah. to illness, and Jack Johnson, who was a healthy scratch 
twice. So he, Jack Johnson was not never injured. He was just a healthy scratch twice to try to help and get Eric and Branson out of Pittsburgh. But this is, of course, the Iron Penguin Award winners, I guess is the best way to yeah. say it. The Iron Penguin Award winners. And there are two of them this year, which is a very, very low number considering you start with at least, what, 20? Yeah. So there are two winners this year. And that goes to the dragon, Marcus Pedersen, and the man you deem to have the best hair on the Pittsburgh Penguins, yeah. the superhero Teddy Bluger. So congratulations to both of them. Do you have anything to say, Horwat, about the Iron Penguin Award winners? Uh, just go back to the things I said before about both of them. Just hit rewind and keep yeah. going. Or you know what? You can go back and listen to it a day later. That way we get a second listen. That's all I'm going to say on that. Exactly. But we do have one more award left, and it is the second most prestigious <laughs> award that we can bestow on a Pittsburgh Penguin. It is the team MVP. And Horwat, I will let you lead us off here. Who is your team MVP for the 2019-2020 season? Uh, my team MVP is going to go to Evgeny Malkin, who he said that he said he was going to be better this season, and he did it. You know, he missed some time for an injury, but in his 55 games, he managed to score 25 goals, 49 assists for 74 points, which is nothing to scoff at in a shortened season, especially one that not only was shortened, you know, league-wide, but even he was hurt for part of it. So, he, you know, he was able to produce nonstop while we, whenever he was on the ice. Um, let's also not forget that he led the team in penalty minutes again. <laughs> With a good old 58 penalty minutes. He led it by 20, by the way. By the next 20? Closest was, he had 58 penalties. He led by 20 minutes. Jesus. An entire period of hockey was played with him in the box. <laughs> then the next guy, who I think was Chris Letang, but I could be wrong about that. I don't remember it exactly. Yep. Nice. Yep. But when you're able to put up 58 penalty minutes in 55 games, first of all, that speaks for itself. <laughs> Um, but also it more than it is more than just that for the time he was able to be on the ice you know putting up 74 points and take over for Crosby again you know take over for Gensel again like it's something that he's able to do and that he did very well once again this year and that's why he's my MVP award winner this year yeah he he did exactly what he said he was going to do he came in and you mentioned it of course he came in he was Malkin he am score and he was amazing. The entire season, Malcomania was running wild when he was healthy. And, of course, padding those stats whenever Sidney Crosby is injured. He is ridiculous. Over 1.3 points per game. He's an amazing player. Always. But he just hits that next level whenever Sidney Crosby's out, man. And it's amazing. And he was somebody that I considered for Team MVP. He, he really was. But to me... I'm a little off the map with this one. You were off the map a little earlier in the episode. I went a little off the map for this one. And my team MVP was young Jake Gensel. Yeah, I, I can see that one too, though. He was, again, the most consistent person during the entire first half of the season. You talk about Gensel playing through injuries to Sidney Crosby, injuries to Evgeny Malkin, to Brian Rust, Chris Letang, Patrick Hornquist. So your entire leadership core was out your entire star core was out from time to time at the beginning of the season and jake gensel put the team on his back at the t time he got injured on december 30th he was leading the team in goals and in points he had 20 goals and 43 points in 39 games and the biggest thing to me is i think this season he did it he proved to me 
that he is not just a byproduct of being Sidney Crosby's winger. He proved to me that he has genuine star potential in this league. And it's it's a shame that he went down when he did. And it's a shame that he went down at all. This is the first actual big injury that he's faced. But hopefully when the Pittsburgh Penguins and the NHL returns, so do, so too does Jake Gensel. And he's getting ready to hopefully have another monster playoffs. That, that's all I'm hoping. He is the team MVP to me. Again, he put the team on his back and he should be commended for it. So he, he, he is my MVP. Yeah, I'm going to you know not disagree with you there again because Jake Gensel was – on pace for a phenomenal season where you know an MVP would have been well deserving on this team going down after just 39 games you know really hurts but sometimes it's just the lay of the land and you know like I said if we have a season come back it's very well possible that he could be back and the same old Jake again yeah wouldn't you love to see it would you love to see it on the first line with Jason Zucker and Sidney Crosby yeah, that'd be incredible. I mean, hey, we got next season for that too. I mean, we have the next we, three seasons for that. Yeah, and this is something we don't have to talk about now because we're getting late into this episode. But I am in no rush to get this season back anymore. No, no, not really. I just, we, like I said, we could talk about it on another episode. But uh, I'm, I mean, no, you go for it if if, if you want to explain to me why well, you're not in a rush to get this season back. <laughs> It just seems like there like there's too much going on with this whole thing. It seems mm-hmm. like it's just bound to not happen. This they're throwing out these everyone's all these different sports throwing out all these ideas of let's play just in one state, let's do this, let's do you're just trying to get your money and I understand this what you have to do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time they're not gonna be keeping your players safe, which is what you wanna be doing. You're not gonna be doing this, that, the other thing, and it's we don't know when this is all gonna be over. And not to get deep and dark, but really I've been thinking that like when this is over, like the first few weeks we're going to be doing things and still feeling very uncomfortable about it. Yeah. Like I was just thinking like my first day back at stage AE is going to be very weird. Yeah. They don't really abide by the six feet apart thing there ever. Exactly. And it's, but like I said, like this is something we could go into more depth next week if mm-hmm. you know we have the time and, but it's just, that's just my thoughts on it anymore. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm getting weird looks when I'm not wearing a mask at the grocery store. So it's a really weird time, yet. man. <laughs> it's it's a really but... weird time. But a big thank you to our sponsors at Manscaped with the new Lawn Mower 3.0, as you heard mm-hmm. earlier in the show. A big thank you to CoolHockey.com with great deals on NHL jerseys. Thank you to Reebok, NHL Shop, CBD Medic, Built Bar, Hote Health. Thank you to all of our sponsors who are incredible and who support us, and we love you guys for it. And if you want any details on any of the deals that we offer with any of the sponsors that I mentioned just before this, visit contact THPN on Twitter and you can get all the up-to-date deals from, like I said, NHL shop, CBD medic, etc., etc., etc. Also, with the Hockey Podcast Network, we do have specialty shows, as I mentioned at the end of every podcast, because they are fantastic and you guys should check them out. The House of Hockey Podcast featuring Breezy and Ray Ray is fantastic. If you want to follow Ray Ray on Instagram, she's doing a learning to play hockey in her studio apartment in Los Angeles. It's a really nice. funny mini series, so go check that out. She recently got a hockey stick that was not at all what she thought she was getting, so go check that out on Instagram. And also, you can listen to the Tales with TR podcast hosted by NHL former NHL first-rounder Terry Ryan, as well as the Ice Analytics podcast for our friends that are more into metrics. But that is all for this one. You can follow Nick Horwat at 
Nick Horwat 41 on Twitter, a great follow there. Or you could follow me, which is not so great of a follow, <laughs> at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. And before we go, I do want to mention we might have a little something on merch coming up. So stay oh, tuned yeah. for that. But the tip of the iceberg can be found anywhere you get your podcast from. Please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your out podcast from. We love to hear all of the feedback. We love any kind of support we can get. The tip of the iceberg is brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can follow them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet, or you can go visit them at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere. We'll see you guys next week. Hang in there.